Welcome to Season 2 of the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. We love hearing and sharing stories about social innovation happening both locally and outside our borders in the Global South. In Season 2, we put the spotlight on changemakers behind some incredibly innovative approaches and solutions who are creating systemic change. And we're also curious to find out what keeps them going. Join us as we discover how these changemakers are changing the way we're changing the world. Welcome to Season 2 of the Just for a Change podcast with me, Kinsi Khatebe. Joining me today is my colleague, Simningi Wetwanga. Simni, I'm really looking forward to this episode. We're coming up on 10 years of celebrating the Bertha Center and the work that we've been doing. And I'm really looking forward to diving into the topics and conversations and the guests that we'll be chatting to. Indeed, Kensei, I'm also looking forward to this episode. And today is a special episode for us as Just for a Change. Um, we're focusing slightly more inward and we'll be showcasing and celebrating the Bertha Center is a small but remarkable academic hub at the bottom of the African continent with activism in its soul. We are no doubt biased. However, we hope this discussion will inspire you and excite you as much as it does us. I really think it will, Simni. I think I joined the Bertha Center, what, two years ago? And every time I speak to Bertha staff members about the work that we're doing across a variety of portfolios, it's always about like pushing the boundaries, being change makers. And I think for me, what I'm really looking forward to today as well is chatting to Dr. Francois Bonici, who is the founding director of the center. Because whether I'm chatting to Louise in the education portfolio or Solange, our director, they always speak about the immense influence that he had in shaping our work. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. But I'm also really looking forward to chatting to others, hearing the voices actually of other staff members as they reflect on their own experiences of being part of this journey. The story of Bertha Center starts in 2011 when Dr. Francois Bonici, the founding director of the center, was presented with the opportunity to facilitate the meeting of two complementary visions, that of the Bertha Foundation and that of UCT's Graduate School of Business, also known as UCT GSB. His interest in social innovation and practices that tap into the ingenuity and energy of local role players to solve local challenges led him to cross paths with the Bertha Foundation. Around the same time, he had also been talking with the new dean of the UCT GSB and Dr. Eliada Wasu Griffin Al, who were interested in exploring ways of infusing social innovation into the business school curriculum. So Ken said, looking at the relationship that exists between the Bertha Center and the Cricket School of Business, both the Bertha Foundation and the UCT Graduate School of Business share a strong desire to create social and economic change and were prepared to take an unconventional route to achieve it. Connecting the Bertha Foundation, a young radical family foundation focused on social justice with the UCT Graduate School of Business, which is a formal business school at one of the continent's oldest, most established universities, may have seemed paradoxical. But these are precisely the kinds of divides we need to bridge for our collective futures. And so, in November 2011, the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship was established. And you know what, Simni, I think what's really important to emphasize is that Dr. Francois Bonici really had this vision where the Bertha Center would be a space that will be welcoming to both changemakers and innovators. I like what you mentioned there, Kente, because that will be a space to ask questions 
and explore new pathways regarding how change needs to happen. And I think it's safe to say that we've actually achieved that at the Bertha Center because that vision has now become a reality. The Bertha team now consists of a great office space that can accommodate its 17 full-time staff members. But in 2011, it started out in a single office with just four people. Can you imagine? Just four people to how it's now grown. We asked a few of the very first staff members, including Nicolette Lobsher, Warren Nelson, and Gloria Muhoro, one of the first Bertha Scholars, to reflect on the early days. So here's what they had to say. In the early days at the Bertha Center, uh, I would often hear... I don't know how we're going to proceed with this project or how we're going to handle it. And just seeing a seed being planted um, of a new idea of how to do things and how that seed developed into a tree was absolutely amazing. This is Warren Nilsson. I'm the director of the MPhil Inclusive Innovation Program at the GSB, the UCT GSB. And, uh, I'm thinking back to when the Bertha Center was first founded about 10 years ago. I started at the GSB right at the same time as the Bertha Center. And it was a really thrilling moment uh, for me personally and I think for the school and, uh, and the world of social innovation. There's something about trying to bring a, a focused inquiry and, and really radical exploration of social innovation into an academic institution like the GSB that really catalyzed our thinking in a number of ways. One of the most profound ways uh, for me was that rather than thinking of social innovation as something that you would do kind of on the side or that was the pursuit uh, for just certain kinds of people, certain activists or certain sorts of entrepreneurs, as we explored it in the early days of the Bertha Center and started bringing um, different kinds of consultants and different kinds of teachers and practitioners into the center, we quickly grew to understand that that uh, there was no one platform through which you could do social innovation. We became very platform agnostic, we used to call it. We recognized you could do it through business, you could do it through social uh, the social sector, you could do it through government, you could do it through informal community networks, social movements. Um, and this greatly expanded our understanding of what social innovation is and how embedded the possibility for social innovation is in the day-to-day -day of all of our lives, everybody. I was actually part of the first cohorts of the MPhil Inclusive Innovation and what I appreciated about it was the innovative and entrepreneurial approach that they took in the course such that we learned practically how to apply things like systems thinking, business model innovation and human-centered design to social problems and to business problems and I get to apply all of these skills in my career today. Often, great achievements start small with many highs and lows, with much sweat and tears but also lots of joy, and the Bertha Center has come far. This can definitely be attributed to constant innovative thinking, perseverance, and most importantly, to the people who caught the heart and vision behind the Bertha Center. With us today is Bertha Center founder, Dr. Francois Bonici, and we'll also hear from the current Bertha Center director, Dr. Solange Rossa, a little later on. Welcome to the show, Francois. Thanks for joining us today to reflect on the past 10 years of the Bertha Centre and how far it has come. Francois, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. We're so delighted that you're able to join us whilst we reflect on the past 10 years of the Bertha Centre and how far we've come. Welcome to the podcast, Francois. Thank you so much, Ken. So lovely to be here. Francois, we'd actually like to start reflecting sort of 
right at the beginning. And I remember you've shared the story with a couple of us, but I think it'll be so brilliant to have our listeners hear some of the background around how you were able to come together and form the Bertha Center. Can you give us a personal overview of what the initial aim and vision was of the Bertha Center and why you felt it was so important to actually start something like this? Thanks. And it's a privilege to be here to celebrate 10 years. Um, The very beginning, um, I think, was a recognition that the country is filled with just incredible people developing their own solutions and incredible change makers. Uh, And there was very, you know, very few opportunities to really showcase that, understand that, support it. And it felt that a university platform was potentially a very powerful platform to bring legitimacy to um, change makers to social entrepreneurs to social innovators wherever they might find themselves uh, and there was an inspiration from I guess this movement academically which was following the work of practice around the world but you know there was Yale and Harvard and Stanford and Oxford all flying to South Africa looking at what amazing things were happening in South Africa and very few of our own institutions uh, were set up to do that and so that I guess was the initial inspiration was actually you know the people and innovators of South Africa itself that that already existed long before the Bertha Center. Um, and the opportunity to bring the Bertha Center into being was um, the arrival of a new dean and an aspiration of the university to have a business school that was more responsible um, in what the role of business was and what the role of, of, of growing leaders and management was. Um, and within two weeks of the new dean arriving, Walter Bates, I had randomly written an email and said, you know, it sounds like I'm interested in your vision. I'm a UCT alumnus. I think this is something um, in that that the university could really pay attention to. Um, and several months later, um, I had helped the dean and Dr. Eliado Norsu to develop a concept note for what the university might do. Uh, and at the same time, I, I had met a, a young person uh, who had just established the South African office of the Bertha Foundation uh, at a talk that I gave in Johannesburg. Um, And I think the talk was called, it was something about maths, but it was something really about focusing about, you know, the the, the radical ideas that um, young people and change makers have in South Africa about our future. Um, and that there was an opportunity to do something. And this young person came up to me, um, her name was Laura Tabatsnik, um, and said, well, we've just started this family foundation. You know, can you help us think about um, this field of social entrepreneurship and social innovation and what we might do? And I said, well, great, let's you know, meet when you're down in Cape Town. And she came prepared to the meeting. And the second thing on her list of things the foundation wanted to do was support an academic sense. And I said, well, you know, actually, the university are thinking of doing something uh, like this. So why don't we uh, put that, that together? Um, and Tony Tabatsnik, her father, met with uh, the dean uh, and the vice chancellor of the university. And uh, in one meeting, essentially decided, well, you know, have this vision let's put it together. And uh, ultimately, I was privileged to be at a time to help facilitate and put that partnership together and then be uh, appointed into the into the role as the, the first director. I was, at the time, um, working at Red Cross Children's Hospital and working on social innovation on the sideline um, and uh, then had to drop out of specializing in pediatrics for the second time in my life to come and take up the Bertha Center, which was an amazing privilege. And it started, uh, you know, really as an 
as an inspiration and with the idea and the intention to to shine a light on what was happening and to you know support the next generation of people who wanted to be involved in establishing businesses and becoming leaders in establishing nonprofit organizations and social enterprises to have the tools to to create uh, organizations that would actually address our inclusive future. So Francois, for me, I've reflected many times, countless times on the work of the Bertha Center. And what stands out for me is the speed and agility with which the Bertha Center grew. Could you perhaps share with us uh, what were some of the big milestones in terms of growth in the early days? I think an urgency. I think we still feel that urgency today, right? That things need to change, things need to change quickly, and that I, I guess the, the the part of that sense of urgency also was mobilized by by reaching out and creating a community of people beyond, I guess, what traditionally might have been done in an academic setting. And so I think from very early on, we opened up the business school space to different organizations to say, you know, I, I, I had a small budget because we had to, every time book a room, it cost something. But I just said to any nonprofit organization, any social enterprise, if you want to hold your meeting here, come hold it at the school. And, it was, and, and that was a way of bringing different kinds of people into spaces that felt to many people was quite oppressive and was actually not for them. Um, whether they were in government, whether they were working in grassroots organizations, whether they were working in the townships around Cape Town, whether they were nonprofits, they didn't feel the business school was for them. That was the one, um, let's build a community and a movement of people. The other was really the birth of scholars, uh, I think was a big part of, of bringing in new energy uh, into the space. Uh, and so the energy very much came from you know, creating a network of people uh, 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 and and giving space and home for different discussions in a in in a business school, which at the time was really well known for corporate finance. You know, that's what it was really well famous for. Um, at the time, Ralph Hellman was starting to grow the sustainability practice. There were other you know important lecturers doing work, but what it was famous for was you know for being experts in finance. And I think the sense was that we wanted to also give the school a, a reputation for being thinking very deeply about societal issues and the role of managers and leaders in in those uh, and that to equip every single student um, with the tools and the mindset that no matter what role they ended up in uh, that they could be part of um, of building an, an inclusive future for the country. Francois, I think it's so important how you speak about the support that you had from the Graduate School of Business, from the Bertha Foundation, which really sort of created that environment that allowed the center to succeed. And now we're coming up on this 10-year celebration. I think it might be interesting to pivot and maybe explore some of the challenges that you experienced during this time of growth that you think informed the ways that we continue to work today and maybe also just shine a light on what it's like to build something like this from the ground. Thanks. We had Great institutional support, but that didn't necessarily mean that we everyone accepted what we were doing uh, at the time. You know, there was a group of people, certainly within a, a school of thought, uh, uh, that said, "Well, this doesn't belong in a business school," uh, and there was a school of thought that said, "Well, we're already doing responsible business, so why do we need this?" And and then you know, when we made the you know, it was really a mission to make the social innovation curriculum compulsory for all MBAs. Uh, and that was a, a journey as well and in terms of resistance. Like, well, I didn't choose to do this and I did my MBA. In the end, it's become, you know, a very significant part of why students and MBA students um, choose the GSB because of that that kind of curriculum, because of what's on offer. 
So some of the first challenges were uh, somewhat, you know, does this fit here? And, and, and where is this dance between, you know, a foundation that is really kind of geared uh, its mission towards social justice and a business school that is clearly about, you know, developing leaders for the economy uh, and where, you know, there, there, is, there is tension and there's paradox in all of that. And so it is about, it was about navigating some of that territory. Um, and then, um, you know, I think we did have, again, challenges in presenting that to the outside world. If we said we wanted to be working with government, we wanted to be working with the nonprofit sector and being at a business school, what did that represent? Being UCT, what did that represent? Um, and, you know, did, did we have a, a, a right and a legitimacy and a mandate to be actually working on some of these issues? Then also recognizing along with that, we were sitting at the waterfront, all right, and sitting at the waterfront talking about these issues is one of the kind of wealthiest real estate on the continent. Uh, and and so we started, you know, going and working with partners in uh, in Filippi, in, in Kailicha, in uh, Athlone. And out of that actually came the seeds for the, the work uh, around the, the business hub on the Filippi campus. Um, but that was actually several years of work before that building uh, got constructed. Um, and then, of course, you know, along the way, we were also challenged in, in you know, quite naive thinking um, and also challenged with the context and the time. So the first part, I think, thinking that, you know, relatively straightforward models or um, business models of social entrepreneurship would solve like the deep-rooted challenges of the country. Um, so, you know, I go back to the original concept note of the Bertha Center and it's something I, you know, wouldn't necessarily want to share because it's quite naive in its thinking, but you've got to start somewhere. Um, but the, the reality was we learned from our partners and we learned from our students who, who, you know, who provoked us, who criticized us, who, uh, presented a, a mirror to say, okay, that's all well and good. You want to do these things, but the realities of the countries are X, Y, and Z. I mean, this is the history of our country. We've had like 400 years of colonialism. We have, you know, a century or two of institutionalized apartheid. You know, we're not going to solve these things with acute uh, impact bond or something, you know, or a, a great little business model. Uh, it was important work to explore, but I, I think we were continually um, guided and and steered by a, a, by this network uh, of partners and students and staff. Um, and then, of course, the challenges that fees must fall brought to the entire institution played out both for, you know, the, the, the university, for the, the business school, and for the Bertha Center itself. And I think, you know, that was a really important journey, and it's a journey that continues uh, to think about, well, and, and for me personally, it was to say, okay, what, what am I institutionally responsible for? What am I personally responsible for? Uh, and and walking that journey and, and recognizing the mistakes that we made, recognizing what we needed to do to continue to think about what was our contribution to perpetuating some of the biases of the past. What was our contribution to perpetuating uh, the biases and systemic structures of the university, what was our responsibility to the individual way we had worked with our colleagues. And I think that journey was an important one and a critical one um, that we walked, you know, and I think the, the, the center continues to walk because I think if one is dedicated to 
issues of social progress and issues of social justice, you know, it needs to start. It needs to start at home, and it needs to start, um, you know, with with honest conversations uh, in the institution itself. But I think there were very. It, it was part of my whole kind of journey personally of of learning, and I think part of the center evolving um, in the context of the time. Fanzo, what's really interesting in the story that you tell of the Bertha Center and a theme that just keeps coming up again is this idea of collaboration and partnership. Could you talk about the importance of partnerships and what have been some of the most significant partnerships for the Bertha Center over the years? I think um, there has been some, you know, quite a lot of fluid lines between um, the people that we've worked with. So, you know, I, I don't think we distinguished always too much between you know, who was a staff member, who was a fellow consultant, who was working in another organization as our partner, but really creating spaces for people to come together, leave a bit of their agendas and their institutional titles at the door, and actually let's figure out what the problems are that we need to work on, and then say, okay, well, whatever institutions I'm in, how, how do I how do I approach the problems we have, and how do we use the tools of our different institutions? Um and so, you know, what have been the most significant partnerships? I mean, it goes without saying, obviously, the Bertha Foundation were an incredible partner to work with, number one, because they trusted us to do what we thought was right in the context and didn't impose their own mandate, but at the same time, continued to challenge and provoke us to say, you know, are you, you know, particularly with a view on justice, like, are you going far enough? You know, can you be more radical in the spaces you're in? So, I, I you know, always valued uh, that partnership. Um, of course, uh, we had quite a few partnerships with both national and provincial governments, which I think were were really, at the time, quite unique for a Centre for Social Innovation. And I think also for the business school was welcome. I mean, I think a few people had good partnerships with, with government departments, but I think we really had long-term partnerships. I, I think that probably the ones we learned the most from were the partnerships that we had with uh, a few of the amazing organizations we worked with over the years, R Labs, Sululo Luto Technologies, um, um, a number of others um, that I can uh, I can think of that we worked with over the years. And a part of our um, idea at the time was not to try and help and work with every single social enterprise in, in South Africa. We just wouldn't have capacity for it. But, you know, create spaces for, for, for learning for anyone. So online courses, you know, conferences, etc. but work deeply with a number of them over, uh, over a number of years. And actually, you know, I think we learned so much from those organizations that we had the privilege to work with over, over longer periods. Uh, Mothers to Mothers is another one. Um, and I think, you know, those were probably the most valued because I think we learned more from them than we did the academic texts on social innovation. And I think we learned a lot and were able to, to surface that and then contribute that back into the global conversation about social innovation, that things that the way that, that some of the approaches were in South Africa were addri- addressing deeper issues uh, in a way that wasn't really discussed in the global conversation. We can talk a bit about that you know, when we're thinking about the, the, the more systemic dimensions of, of social innovation. Franz, so we've actually come to the tail end of, of, our, of our interview. And, and maybe just as a, as a wrap-up and a close, any sort of reflections that you'd like to leave with us as we celebrate the 10 years and think about the way that the centre has influenced social innovation on the continent and in the rest of the world? Yeah, I think my one, my one vision and my one bugbear was always, you know, if Harvard says something about 
social innovation or Oxford do, or they put out a research paper or they make, you know, have an opinion, everyone thinks that's globally relevant. Uh, and if uh, someone puts out, you know, if us in South Africa uh, do the same, or if someone in Mexico does it, or if someone in uh, India does it, you know, the perception is that that's only locally relevant. Uh, and, you know, one of my aspirations was that the center would be globally relevant. And actually, in a way, South Africa is more a reflection of the world than, you know, than a USA or England is, because actually the world is a very unequal place. It is, uh, you know, has um, uh, all these challenges of youth unemployment and climate change, uh, but also is, you know, hugely resourceful and and uh, and innovative. And, and I think, you know, for me, South Africa was always a microcosm of the world. And I felt that actually the, the, the work that we reflected of what change makers in South Africa are doing was globally relevant. And so I think that is um, something that I'm, you know, quite proud of the, the, the position that it has and the, the influence that it has developed over time. Um, the other reflection is that it is really a combination of all the people that have been through it over the years, you know, and that's really exciting to see. And so while I have the privilege of, you know, being on this podcast and telling some stories that it's, you know, so many people's stories um, that have shaped it into what it's become. Francois, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was lovely to have you and to hear the story of how the Bertha Center was started. Thanks so much, Kensei Simni. It was such a treat to be with you both. We also wanted to hear from our current director, Dr. Solange Rosa, who served as a consultant to the Bertha Center before becoming the director in 2020. And so we asked Solange to share some of her highlights since joining the Bertha Center. My highlights would definitely be starting off building a team at the Bertha Center. So I think it's really important to ensure that there's psychological safety within the team that you work with and to ensure that there's a diverse set of people who are able to bring their full selves to the team to realize their potential and to feel respected and dignified. So building a team was definitely the first priority that I had. And then I think, you know, highlights during the COVID pandemic, I started as director of the Bertha Center on the 1st of July, I don't know, 2020. I don't know what level of lockdown we were in, but it was a high level. And and so um, highlights, in this particular pandemic have meant a lot of uh, engaging with the public through webinars, being able to uh, engage on various topics uh, from our classrooms for change to our innovative finance webinars um, to our brown bag uh, lunches. So being able to still be isolated but still be able to reach out and engage with the community that we're trying to support that we're trying to raise awareness amongst um so so we've had some wonderful engagements um over the the webinars as well and then the final highlight is really the five-year strategy which takes us from 2022 to 2026 
So building on the foundation of a, an organization that is stable and secure and that has a vision for what it wants to achieve uh, for the next five years. To wrap up this section of the podcast, we asked Solange to give us a few of the milestones that have been achieved by the various portfolios at the Bertha Center over the last 10 years. The Bertha Center opens its doors on UCT Graduate School of Business campus in 2011, in November of 2011. So that was a big milestone in and of itself. The Bertha Center received funding from the Bertha Foundation as core funding for five years. And this enabled it to establish a number of projects that really put the Bertha Center on the map. So one of those uh, projects was to embed social innovation and entrepreneurship into the MBA curriculum um, as one of the first business schools to have a core component of the MBA focused on social innovation and entrepreneurship. And this happened from 2016. The MPhil in inclusive innovation was also developed uh, based on the funding received and at this uh, during this period, the MPhil is located also at the Graduate School of Business and this for people specifically focused on doing social innovation work. Um, another milestone was that the Hurtiskir uh, Hospital had a innovation hub which was launched in 2015 and that was the health innovation portfolio that uh, initiated that together with the Department of Health and um, allowed a number of different innovations within the hospital environment to to ideate, to develop and to flourish. The other uh, milestone in 2015, which the innovative finance team was part of, was the first impact investing in Africa executive education course, which we have held every year since 2015. Um, we also then partnered in 2016 to establish the Philippi Village Campus, which um, is a collaboration between the Vice Chancellor's Strategic Fund and the GSP and um, the Bertha Center, together to have a space with the solution space, uh, managing that space in order to have entrepreneurs and township entrepreneurs uh, working in a space and learning how to be uh, better entrepreneurs and set up their enterprises. And then our systems change portfolio launched their executive education course in around 2016. And that's a course that we've also held every year from, since then. And it's focused on how organizations can look more at the systems that they work in and how they can influence and affect those systems. Then in terms of the youth portfolio, in 2019, the Changemakers program was launched at Philippi Village, where we support young people who are not in education, employment or training to go through a program that enables them to be social entrepreneurs and also supports their psychosocial development. And then um, in terms of the innovative finance portfolio, again, 
In 2020, they launched a Green Outcomes Fund, which is in collaboration with the Jobs Fund and with Green Cape, trying to support small, medium-sized enterprises in uh, in the green and renewable energy areas to be able to get funding and investment in order to grow their enterprises. So this is a, um, a collaboration that took many years to establish and, um, and has been in operation since 2020. Finally, for the education portfolio, I'd like to highlight the Classrooms for Change program that happened uh, this year and last year um, which is trying to create awareness amongst teachers who uh, who work with learners around understanding our history, understanding issues of transformation and diversity and inclusion, and being able to uh, to discuss those issues, to unpack them, and to create a sense of social justice in our um, in our learners through our teacher development. And then an overarching highlight, I would say, is that the Bertha Center was recognized by the Bridgespan Group as one of the top five academic centers in the world in the area of social impact. So that was um, really quite an achievement um, in 2017-2018 when a number of different impact centers around the world at business schools were reviewed and the Bertha Center was highlighted as one of the top five. The Bertha Center has made a big impact over the last decade, but the work is not done. The center is looking towards its next 10 years and working to establish how it can stay relevant and keep pushing the boundaries of what is possible for social change. We asked a current staff member and a current Bertha scholar what they are looking forward to as the Bertha Center turns the page to the next chapter. Looking ahead to the next five years for the Bertha Center, I'm particularly excited that we're going to continue to do the great work that we've been doing for the last 10 years, but deepen it and strengthen it in ways that reflect our current environment and um, the current challenges that we're facing, that the pandemic has um, accelerated and that create even more pressure for us to apply our research, our uh, thought leadership, our convening power to address these intractable vexing problems, health inequity that's been laid bare by COVID, financial access and inclusion, education opportunities. Um, and I love that we're deepening our focus and perspective on climate change and climate justice and understanding that that runs across all of our um, priority areas and affects all of our lives and our work in, in deep ways. So what excites me about being a Bertha Scholar is the amazing community of diverse change makers who are passionate about inclusivity, equity, and diversity. Um, at the grassroots level, at the national level, and international level. I believe in the next five years, the Better Center would be a, an African, pan-African, and world-class center of excellence in social entrepreneurship and innovation, 
by raising change makers who will be at the helm of affairs in changing the narrative about Africa, bringing the authentic stories to bear whilst influencing systems change at the core and grassroots level of the various economies on the continent of Africa. It's easy to get caught up in the news headlines and feel overwhelmed by the task ahead of us in terms of social change. But with a good strategy in place and people who are willing to help carry the load, who are committed to thinking outside the box and who can see opportunity where others see challenges, there is no doubt lots to be excited about. With an inspiring 10-year background of the Bertha Center fresh in our minds, we now take a peek into the upcoming five years with Bertha Center Senior Manager, Dombini Marengain. Welcome, Dombini. Dombini, could you tell us why do you think the work of the Bertha Center is still, or perhaps even more crucial now? I think the work of the Bertha Center is actually more crucial than it's ever been before. We live in an increasingly fragmented world with greater inequality, and we face new unprecedented challenges such as COVID-19. Yet at the same time, this is also a period of tremendous opportunity. As we all become more socially conscious, socially aware, and we're more connected than ever before, we have the chance to come together and strategize about new ways to address our social ills. So, Domini, if we can delve a little bit deeper into the work the Bertha Center does, acknowledging exactly what you were saying about how crucial and important it is, can you tell us a little bit more about where the Bertha Center gains its inspiration to do its work? That's a really big question, uh, Kense. I think the inspiration comes from being a community of storytellers, a community of activists, and a community of people who really believe in social justice. And I think we all believe that in some small way, in our particular corner of the world, we can make a difference. And I think collectively, when you bring that kind of energy and purpose together, some really amazing things start to happen. And on that note, Ndombini, I'm just curious, with everything that's happened, how did you approach this five-year strategy? The work of developing the five-year strategy was actually a lot of fun because we are a mixed team, some veterans, but also quite a number of new staff, including myself. And so it was a really nice opportunity to take a look back at the many accomplishments of the Bertha Center since its founding 10 years ago but also for us to dream a little bit about what we see Bertha doing in the next five years. And we did a lot of brainstorming um, and dreaming as a team. And I think we came up with some really amazing ideas. And I think most importantly, I think the entrepreneurial mindset that really forms the bedrock of Bertha Center's approach to its work is very much alive and it sparked a lot of new ideas, which was quite exciting. I really like the fact that you spoke about how doing that strategy work was actually a lot of fun because I think even for me as like a Bertha team member, I really enjoyed participating in that process. I'm curious, what were some of the major learnings that came out of that process as you were planning? I think for me, the primary uh, learning was that just because we started in a particular place doesn't mean we'll end up in that same place five years from now. And it's about understanding that our approach um, needs to be fluid. It needs to be uh, demand-driven and responsive, not just supply-driven as many um, development projects or development programs are, focusing on what the, the program designer has to offer rather than what the program recipient actually wants or needs. So I think that's a very important part of it. Um, and I also think that we 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 didn't 
um, confine ourselves to say these six areas, this is where we're working and this is, this is Bertha territory. We actually thought, how do we think creatively about problem solving around the issues of social inequality and the need to uplift, you know, the, the people who are suffering the most in our society? And so with sort of that lens, we came up with some really interesting ideas, most of which happened to fit in the same buckets that we started with. Um, but there were a few new ones and we're really excited to pursue them in the next five years. Mm, you've touched on a point around creative thinking. And I'm also just curious to hear what's in the pipeline for the next five years and what are some of the big milestones um, you are aiming for? I think one of the most important things that we want to focus on is sort of to consolidate the work that Bertha has been doing with the public sector and to really shine a light on what are our learnings and what can, potentially can we, can we still learn from pushing innovation within that space. Because I think a lot of times policymakers um, and officials, they're so busy trying to fix a problem, they don't actually recognize when they're doing something innovative whether it's become because they have limited resources or they have access to new talent or a particular skill set that they have had in the past. Um, so I think it's really important for us to examine that um, because there are some remarkable things happening on the ground. And just because they're not being um, bandied about as innovative doesn't mean that they're not. So that's, that's the one piece. And then I think the other area for us really to focus on, and it's one of the most pressing issues of our time, is of course climate change and climate justice. Um, we're just now seeing the end of COP26. Um, and I think that along with the general thinking at Bertha has helped shape our, our plans around developing a portfolio dedicated to this issue because it does impact a lot on people who are already suffering without access to resources, material and otherwise, um, it's making their situation worse. And since we're about social justice, we need to keep an eye on that. Dombini, I think, um, I don't know if you'll remember when you first joined Bertha Center. Obviously, we were all, it was during the pandemic. We couldn't see each other. I think for me, one of the things that I remember was getting emails from you about collaborating and partnering with other organizations that were doing really interesting work on the continent. So on this theme of like partnership, I'd really like to gain your perspective on what are some of the significant partnerships that you see on the horizon for the Bertha Center? I think for me, first and foremost, um, we need to become more connected to other organizations on the continent. UC, we're located at UCT and we have a, a very famous brand and reputation. Um, but I think it's really important that we remember that we're not the only ones um, in South Africa, for that matter, or on the continent. And it's really important that we make an effort and invest time and energy into building those relationships with our partners in other countries, in SADC and on the continent more widely. Part of that can be done through using existing mechanisms. So for example, the UCT is a member of ARUA, the African Research University Alliance, and a number of other consortia related to knowledge production. And I think we need to capitalize on that as the Bertha Center. We need to reach out and find out who are the other business schools, who are the other universities who are focused on social enterprise, who are focused on inclusive innovation, and who are looking in their context at trying to marry the two. And I think there's a lot for us to learn and a lot for us to share. Now let's look back, Dombini, to 2020. 
you arrived in quite an innovative season. With your fresh perspective, could you tell us what excites you most about the future of the Bertha Center? I think two things excite me about the future of the Bertha Center. First, um, from an internal perspective, it's working with an incredible team, a dynamic team, really committed to the work that we're doing and excited about finding new ways to contribute to the world. That excites me a lot. Um, and then secondly, I think the, as I said, mentioned before, the entrepreneurial outlook of the center, the fact that really there are no limits on what we can do. And it's about trying, sometimes failing, but always learning. And that excites me as well. With the focus on five specific areas, including seeding, developing and diffusing alternatives with a transformative impact, connecting the dots to foster radical innovation in health, using finance to build the world we all want to live in, seeking real change for youth and putting the power to change in the hands of schools. The Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship continues to build on a solid foundation and looks forward to how we can impact the world around us, empowering and equipping more changemakers to bring about upliftment, equality, and lasting change. Thank you for tuning in to Season 2 of the Just for a Change podcast, powered by the Bertha Center for Social Innovation and Entrepreneurship. If you're curious about what innovation is happening in Africa and the Global South and who the movers and shakers behind these initiatives are, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes.